ladies and gentlemen, my name is Aiden Mattis. I am joined by... Oh, you usually say it. Thorn Bussy. Yes, okay. He and I are here. We are together. We are in a room. This is all true statements and facts. The camera is off-center. Can you fix that? Supposedly we exist. Uh, just a little bit this way. Yep. Probably should have checked that before the stream, but it's fine. It's been a little hectic here at the War Lodge today. It has. Uh, we could not get our lighting to work, and... Uh, Hectic is a gentle, gentle way to put it. And then I was hungry. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and so I went to go get the food. And But uh, apparently the local high school decided that tonight was a great night to have a dance. Uh, we are making Mount Pocono Perk in this French press right here. In case you were wondering about our coffee, we are drinking it on the stream. It's good coffee. <laughs> Can you, I don't know, can they hear that? Great question. That looks like that lid's gonna fall I off. I think they can hear that. It's fine. But yeah, so what as you can imagine, we've had ourselves a day. I have a concert tonight that I am performing in. So this is gonna be an interesting stream. I have to leave for Florida at like 6 in the morning tomorrow. We're, we're really just having a, a, a whole time recently. Also, uh, I've had to change my diet considerably because you guys are getting a sexy calendar the end of the month so i, I have about that i'm definitely not going to be we have about two weeks to reach channing tatum levels sexy is going to be a relative and subjective term it will be a calendar yes <laughs> it will be a calendar where aiden and i are in um revealing clothing whether or not it is a sexy calendar is really up to you guys to decide <laughs> no one will derive pleasure other than sadistic pleasure I can think of, of one this. person who's going to be deriving quite a bit of sadistic pleasure from this whole thing. Archie? Isaiah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, when, when the goon's going to think this is hilarious? Also, I uh, have to have energy in my body and neglected to eat all day, so you will see me pounding Wawa chicken nuggies uh, throughout the entirety of this stream while he eats a pretzel. You know... We are pinnacles of health. Oh, just going great. Um, this is all I've eaten today is chicken. Uh, and I had a bagel at one point. So it will be a calendar for sure. Uh, as for shipping the coffee, that is a fantastic question. It is better served by Tableau Roasting Company, who uh, actually does the fulfillment of the orders. Yes. So I would reach out to ask them. But, Aiden, what are we here to talk about today? We are talking about yet another missing 411 yet case. Yet another missing 411 case. And this one's kind of similar to last week's because we're talking about mountains again. And we are talking about the West Coast, which personally I wish the entire thing would go missing. But, um. <laughs> but what. The, we can move Hollywood to Atlanta. Oh, I'm not even that worried about Hollywood. Just out of curiosity, if there was one place on the West Coast that you could say, what would it be and why? Oakland, California. Can we get a why? That is exactly why. It's because nobody would understand. <laughs> it would Oakland be, wouldn't even understand. It would simply be a gigantic question mark. I would tell nobody I did this. I would tell nobody I had this power. I would just remove the entire first 200 miles of the western mm -hmm. coast of this country and replace it with Oakland. Yes. Oh, oh, oh so you're not getting rid of everything else and keeping Oakland... Oh, no, I'm getting rid of everything else and just keeping Oakland. Okay, I thought you were... No, thought no, you're no, 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 we're not, we're expanding, not expanding Oakland, Oakland okay. no. Because then you just get California again. No, no, no. <laughs> We're keeping Oakland. Why? Because, you know, it, it just lost a football team. It's probably going to lose its baseball team. It's a dying city. Yes. You know how we can save it? Get rid of the rest of, of California. 
to make it the only thing left. Speaking of noteworthy football and baseball teams, uh, oh, oh, oh. our town is doing pretty well this week. If we got any fans from Dallas, get ready. Watch out. I don't know if I'm actually going to get to watch the game. I hope I can, but... I will. Exciting times. I know you will. I, I will be... Not only will I be watching the game... I'll be watching the game live on Twitch. Ah. Because tomorrow night... Oh, yeah. Starting at 7 p.m., I will be doing a 24-hour live Twitch stream. It's going to include games. It's going to include uh, reacting to things on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I might talk about the movie I wrote. I might talk about the movie we're writing. You might well. um, I'm sad I'm not going to be here. Of course, the one day that it has to happen is the day here. I'm in yeah. Florida. But tomorrow, 24-hour Twitch stream. Be there, or I'd say be square, but be there or don't be. I'm sure you guys have stuff to do. I mean, it will. It's going to be a Sunday night, mm -hmm. so like they'd normally be doing this. That's a good point. Like all hundred or so of you who are here right now, theoretically, should be here tomorrow. Um. So, but yeah, we're going to do some analog horror. We're going to play some video games. We're going to talk about sports. I am by the end of this probably going to be absolutely delirious from being tired. Yeah. Because fun fact, today I'm going to be up till like four a.m. My uh, the, the band I play with sometimes has a show, so... What are you doing about class on Monday? Uh, it's fall break. Oh, alright, so you're old. Yeah. Um, I planned this entirely around my fall break from classes. Nice. Uh, a drinking game would be fun. I could do that. If you guys want to design the drinking game, I'll do it. Maybe I should do you drink, I sub. Or you sub, I drink. For the entire stream? For the entire stream. <laughs> That would be beer at that point, or I'd be dead. Yeah. Uh, it starts at 7 p.m. Um, tomorrow is Monday. Tomorrow is not Monday. Huh? Are you in Australia? Who said that? <laughs> if tomorrow was Monday, I'd be in a lot of trouble right now. Same. <laughs> got, got me, like, you know, fact-checking myself. It is Saturday. Okay. I'd have to be Maybe buying myself a plane ticket down to Florida <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm leaving right, right now. now. Uh, I forgot that we planned the drinking game. Completely forgot that was a thing. Really? Mm hmm What's the plan? <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> um, I don't know what the plan is, to be honest. Um, no, no. We'll no find out. But for you. it is 7, 10 p.m. The show has been live for 10 minutes. We haven't talked about Eric Lewis. This is what happens when you get us on a Saturday. This is what happens when I didn't get a chance to eat until now. I'm so hungry, Aiden. Okay. Anyway. Allow me to set the scene for you. It is July 1st, 2010 on Mount Rainier, which is southeast of Seattle, Washington. Now, Mount Rainier, for a long time, has been the home of the Sahoptin Native Americans. Uh, this is a broader linguistic group within the plateau culture of, uh, of the, the western United States, which extends down into Southern California, and in fact includes some other Native American tribes we've talked before, about before on this show, like the Klamath. Um, very old place, very old population, 
and not the oldest population of the region, because the Sahaptan speakers, the, uh, the Nez Perce, the Yama, uh, Yakima, not Yamaka, it's a different thing, Quite the Yakima, yes. they say that before they arrived in the region, there were already old Indians there. Um, taking this from actual Sahaptan legend. So there were already old Indians, an old man and an old woman, and they told them of the, the people who came before. So, for at least the last probably 7,000, 8,000 years, a consistent group of Native Americans have lived in this region. Mm. Now, Rainier itself was uh, folded into the national park system in the 20th century, mm -hmm. and it was first summited by men named P.B. Van Trump and Hazard Stevens, which... Again, I just heard you say these names an hour ago, mm -hmm. and they still shock me. Mm -hmm. It's just so much. Mm -hmm. Allow me to chew, I'm sorry. I thought he was going to talk a little bit more, so I thought I had an opportunity. <laughs> I can. Well, I was just looking up where exactly uh, Mount Rainier is. Two things. One, it's kind of weird because Rex's brother's name is Rainier, so like, you know, in that context. Uh, also, absolutely right. It's also southeast of Tacoma. Like, it's mm. pretty damn uh, southeast. Uh, I remember seeing and it. And it is named uh, by the Sahaptan people, Tacoma. Aha! Mm -hmm. There we go. That makes sense. Um, yeah, and then what is what is one in particular element? I, I can't remember if this is accurate or not, but I feel like it, it is based off of what I'm seeing on the map. Uh, is Mount Rainier a volcano? Mm -hmm. It certainly looks like one from the top down. Not only that, it's an active volcano. It doesn't look like that from the top down, but, you know. If I remember correctly, you might want to fact check me on that, but okay. I, believe, I believe Rainier is actually an active volcano, which is expected to erupt sometime in the near future. The, the near geological future, so we're talking about longer time spans here. Mount Rainier is an episodically active composite volcano, also called a stratovolcano. Volcanic activity began between one-half and one million years ago, with the most recent eruption cycle ending about 1,000 years ago. So it's dormant. How often does it erupt? Uh, let's find out. Uh... Yeah, it's considered an active volcano, and we'll have future eruptions. Uh, let's see. Let's see what the Park Service says, because we can trust them as a reliable source. Can't determine the weather for next week, but we can predict when a volcano is going to erupt. Yep. Shit's wild. St. Helens did blow up, that is true. Very violently. Yes. Was not a great time for anyone involved. I remember reading a story about a guy who actually was, like, on the mountain photographing it and ended up dying. But I believe the picture survived. Yeah, that sounds about right. Was there video evidence of that? I can't remember. Not St. Helens? Yeah, it was yeah. in the 80s. Yeah, no, I just wasn't sure if anybody was actually able to... Because I feel like I've seen video of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Make sure that I'm, like, correct. Uh, if you're coming, you better come correct. Uh, an eruption is likely to be preceded by days and months or more of small earthquakes centered beneath the volcano, subtle deformation in the center or whatever... New eruptions of Mount Rainier will most likely start with steam and ash explosions at the summit. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing any actual, like, predictions. Mm -hmm. Oh, eruption history, maybe? Not that this is particularly important information, but I like volcanoes. I think they're cool. Well, I mean, the podcast is supposed to be, like, the story and the adjacent information, so yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> We're educational adjacent. Um... <laughs> Adjacent? Yes. Uh, 
let's see. Du, 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 du. Eruptions occurring after the last ice age are better preserved and greatly expand the understanding of the volcanic history of Mount Rainier. The Holocene erupted periods were determined from studies of volcanic ash layers where scientists derived the age of ash layers by measuring the age of wood within or adjacent to them. Because of the wealth of knowledge, details about Holocene activity are included as a separate web page. Of course they are. On Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, Mount Rainier, Washington appeared to be venting steam near its summit of 14,411 feet. So especially concerning considering the mountain is an active volcano. Thanks, guys. It just so happens that the USGS is currently working on installing new monitoring equipment at the volcano this week. Do you know that uh, the, the government's actually building up Mount Weather and uh, Raven Rock, which are two of the government's uh, emergency nuclear bunkers? Really? When did they start this? Recently. They're not on track to be finished until 2027, but uh, the U.S. government is preparing for... Uh, Maybe, maybe just it's precautionary, but they seem to be preparing for nuclear war. I would rather them be precautionary about nuclear war because that's kind of one of those things where... I would much prefer that, yes. Yeah, if you're not prepared beforehand, you're kind of screwed, so you might as well. Better to need it, or no, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yes, exactly. So, um, Speaking of things that people uh, had and uh, needed, um, or didn't have and needed, Eric Lewis needed his backpack to survive. Mm. On Mount Rainier. 13,600 feet up in the air. That's cold. Yep. Now, it was July. Mm -hmm. So, it was less cold. But, Fair. Eric and his buddies Don Storm and Trevor Lane decided on July 1st, 2010, to summit Mount Rainier. Which Eric had done at least 10 times before. Very experienced hiker. He was 57 years old, so little on the, the elderly side of things for hiking and climbing. But, they decided they were going to summit it anyway. Damn the fact that uh, this is a route, the Gibraltar Ledges route, that they should only have been taking in the winter, from December through February, mm -hmm. because it has lots of loose rock, which in the winter is held in place by ice, but in the summer is not held in place by ice. Mm -hmm. So, in 2010, July... Eric, Don, and Trevor begin to head up the mountain, starting at about 4,500 feet. So they didn't stop. They didn't start at the very base of the mountain. They drove up to uh, to a camp. I can't recall the name of this exact camp. And then they hiked up to Camp Weir, which is at 10,200 feet. And it is the place you go if you're planning to summit Mount Rainier via the Gibraltar Ledges route. Mm. Gibraltar Ledges, common route, it's a grade 2, it is an intermediate alpine climb. I don't know what these words mean, all I know is that essentially what we're getting here is this isn't a beginner route, but it's not a Everest level route. Yep. We're, we're looking at something that if you're experienced and properly supplied, should not be a difficult route to climb. Especially if you go during the proper time of the year, but this was not the proper time of the year. So... Um, you know, this, it, what we're looking at here is not the greatest decision, so to speak. It's basically, if you do the thing and you don't screw it up, then it'll work. Yeah. It, th this was not a well-planned out trip. And most of the information that we get for this story comes from climbing ranger Glenn Kessler, who was the commander of the search, and I took his report and used that for a lot of the information we're going to be giving you tonight. But, Eric... Very little information about him. We know he's 57. We know he likes hiking. 
that's about it. That is all I could find. I looked up his obituary, and it basically just said he's predeceased by these people, and uh, these people outlived him. Uh, that's really it. But this is a climb that involves some slopes of 50 degrees. It requires crampons, ropes, and climbing axes. And the total length uphill that you're going with here, you're looking at an ascent of about 9,010 feet. So nearly two miles. That's like, what, 1.8 miles? 1.7 miles? About that. Yeah. Uh, if you are from a country that uses, um, you know, fake measurement units like the metric system, uh, that should be about, I think, what, uh, three kilometers? Uh, well, one mile is like 2.2 kilometers, so... Probably closer to four. Yeah. Or, I, I thought it was a, or, no, a mile was points, point six kilometers. Mile to... No. Why I am I having so I think it's one this? mile to 1.2 kilometers. Oh, 1.6. I knew there was a six in there somewhere. Yeah, one mile only because 1.6 kilometers. Yeah, so we're looking at about three kilometers. Yeah, here. roughly. All right. So, three kilometer... Oh, I have it right here. 2.75 kilometers. <laughs> I am... I am an unintelligent individual. E I know, I know. Uh, so, like I said before, oh. it's not a super difficult climb if you've got the conditions right, if you've yep. got the right equipment, if you're experienced. So, should have been okay, even in July, but still a difficult climb. They made it to 13,900 feet. So, this is... Do you know what the starting elevation was? Uh... It was somewhere around 5,000. Okay. Um, so this is around, like, 85% of the climb that they completed. And the way that they were doing this climb was that Don, who was the lead climber, all three of them were attached to one rope. Don was the lead climber. Mm -hmm. Trevor was in the middle, and then Eric was on the other end. Don would climb, stop, Trevor would climb up to Don, Eric would climb up to Trevor, and then Don would start climbing again. Mm. And this way, everybody got to do their own pace everybody got to climb yep. and not be worried about you know everybody got to rest most importantly mm -hmm. so from the last time that they had started this climb which i don't know how long the rope was exactly mm -hmm. but i'm assuming this rope wasn't a mile long so generally not from the last it. time that they had stopped and started climbing again trevor had seen eric so within the last couple hundred feet mm -hmm. They get to 13,900 feet, and Eric doesn't show up. And they wait for Eric, and Eric still doesn't show up. Mm -hmm. So they tug on the rope. And what they notice is the rope does not go taut at all. In fact, as they pull the rope up further and further, expecting that at some point it will go taut, because Eric, the rope never goes taut. It comes all the way up, and on the end, just a knot with no clip in it. Now, he had been carabinered into the rope, mm -hmm. is my understanding. So, they realize at this point, Eric is missing. So, they immediately search the area that the rope swings. Because that's as far as Eric could have gone in any direction. So, they yeah. sweep the entire, the entire remaining length of the rope. No Eric. They think, alright, maybe he somehow got ahead of us. Mm -hmm. They climb up to the summit. What do you think happened? I don't think Eric was there. Eric was not there. So they went down, they went back to Camp Weir, which is at, again, 10,200 feet, where they contacted the rangers. Mm -hmm. National Park Service went, we got this. And Tom Payne and two of his buddies climbed to the top of the mountain. They get there by 8 p.m. When they start? 
I do not know. Okay. Late afternoon was all I could find. That is impressive. That that's it is rather impressive. Yes. Yeah. In and so. of itself is yeah. You want to keep talking for a second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to scale a mountain of that size in that amount of time is really quite impressive, even if you are a skilled climber, uh, because it can, it, especially at that altitude, you know, you, you are thin on air, which for some people helps, some people it hurts. Uh, generally, it's it's going to make things more difficult. Uh, I know in my experience, climbing at higher altitudes uh, at times, at least for me, and maybe this is just a, a, a placebo effect, but having thinner air has like helped me. It also could be the asthma that I refuse to acknowledge and never use my inhaler for. Uh, but nonetheless, but still, uh, very extremely labor-intensive and exhausting. And you know, you got to be, you got to be on a mission to get up there that quick. Mm-hmm. So, I'm impressed to say the least. Last time we were on a mountain, I blew up my knee. Yes. It was not fun. To be fair, that was more Wade's fault than your own. Not sure how Wade would feel about that. No. I say that in the sense of, well, I mean, he did jump over you. Not that, that is true. I, I was uh, snowboarding, and Aiden and I had to share a helmet because the place we were at ran out of rental helmets. Yep. And so I had to go up with one of my friends who was skiing. Yep. We got to a point within view of the lodge. Like... We were maybe 200 yards from the lodge at this point. I lost my balance and fell, which had happened multiple times on the way down. It took me a very long time to get down this mountain, like an embarrassingly long amount of time. It was the first time I have ever snowboarded. Like, we have to clarify that, like, it's just, it's not like he really went to the bunny hill and, like, somebody properly taught him. I was planning to do that for the day. Because I've been snowboarding since yeah, middle school. Because my dad or a blue. No, you, uh, yeah, I think you went down a, it was green. a green. It was a green. Yeah, was Green's green. the lowest. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was green. It's also really quickly. I just have to say, I find it really funny that anybody who skis or snowboards, when they're referring to the different trails, they will say, "Oh, we did a couple greens, couple blues, and then we did a couple black diamonds, and then we did a couple double black diamonds." It's like. The, very rarely are people just like, yeah, we did a couple like blues and blacks and stuff or whatever. It's like, anytime you get to the blacks, it's like, you, there's always that extra emphasis of like, we did the black diamonds. And it's just like... Having been down a normal green route, uh, yeah. I would not want to even look at a black diamond course. <laughs> I, we got to the top, and that's where the black, di- that's where the black course starts, mm-hmm. at uh, Elk. Yeah. And we get to the top. And it's just a straight drop over the edge. I'm oh, just yeah. like, now, and I'm scared of heights. I, the fact that I even got myself up that mountain to snowboard yes. was a miracle. And my immediate reaction upon getting up there was, oh, this was a mistake. Like, <laughs> I should not be here. Well, the thing is, blacks are more like geared toward skiers than snowboarders. Mm-hmm. Obviously, snowboarders can do it and enjoy doing it. But just by the nature of their construction, it's a little bit more the speed of a skier also on the east coast uh you're just gonna have basically ice instead of actual snow excuse me snow Mm -hmm. like i don't know if you noticed it when you were going down but out west where it's like genuine powder that is you know falling from the actual sky it's not blown snow or anything there's like several feet of it and you can just make trails whatever it's all very nice and very deep and it's great on the east coast what you have is the sound of a dry butter knife scraping on freshly yeah. toasted bread 
and that's just because your board is scraping against ice when you try and stop. There's yeah, barely the, any stuff. the sole reason that I was able to get down that mountain was that I was already used to having my body beaten up for years. <clears throat> but at this point, it was like it, it, I, I was playing rugby with a mountain. Yes, like <laughs> I, I probably went down as many times snowboarding as I would as a ball carrier. Like, yes, that's, that's how bad that was. If the rental shop hadn't run out of helmets, which is stupid. It would have been a much different day and probably a lot more fun. Yeah, not only did the rental shop run out of helmets, but it took us an hour and a half to get through the line. Um, oh, and keep in mind, it wasn't a particularly long line either. It was maybe like 70 people, roughly, plus or minus 15. So, yeah, brutal. Uh, <laughs> ice Coast, yeah, you yeah. know, it's so true. Whoever said all adult back injuries are permanent, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Real quick, you have to you have to say the last part of that story because it's really what the key. It's the part that. Holds oh yeah, I was getting to that. So yeah, I get about two hundred yards. Um, for our non-American friends, that's about like what two hundred and thirty meters, two hundred twenty meters. No, two hundred yards would be about like one hundred and eighty meters, one hundred ninety meters. Oh, oh me yeah, meters are sh are longer. Yeah, yeah. Just, so just yeah. Like, all right, just so. Like Almost the same amount of distance. Yeah. Like, almost the same amount of numbers. I'm tired. I need to go to bed. Yeah, I know. Um, if only my resting heart rate weren't like 130, maybe I could do cocaine. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I ever did cocaine, I'd die immediately. Um, I, my Probably. heart would explode. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mom, you don't have to worry about me doing cocaine ever. Uh, I'm trying not to uh, die. Yeah. So, we're about 200 yards. <laughs> And uh, I fall. Wade, who's right behind me on skis, pops over my, my body. I'm laying there trying to gather the courage to get up and get down the remaining straightaway. And at this point, a probably eight-year-old girl skis up next to me and goes, Are you okay, mister? And I just lost any, any sense of masculinity, uh, of confidence. I still have not recovered. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just, I remember you coming down. The fact that she said mister, I was like, yeah. ah, she knows I'm an adult, too. Yeah. Like, I don't look like some 16-year-old who just fell down this mountain. Yeah. It's very clear that a 24-year-old man just fell down this mountain. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish I'd broken my neck and just died. <laughs> uh, probably would have been less painful. Oh. If you've God. ever wondered what it's like to have your soul crushed by someone who was a toddler last year, uh, it's not fun. No. Oh, that's funny. Internal inventory? What? Basically. Um, Internal. So, yeah, that's that's how my skiing and snowboarding experience went. But my mountain experience was still not as bad as that of Eric Lewis, who at 13,600 feet, as searchers discovered, took off his backpack and just left it in the snow. Now, in that backpack was, you know, Eric's tent and spare clothes and rations and water and everything Eric needed to survive on the mountain overnight. <laughs> but it's possible that he did make it to shelter because 200 feet above, just 100 feet below where he went missing, mm -hmm. was a snow cave. Now, the depth of the snow cave is not something that I have found in any sort of recorded form, but it was deep enough that people were like, ah, there's a cave here. Mm -hmm. Not just a little divot, not just a little dent, no, yeah. a cave. 
Now, if you read the Missing 411 version or watch a lot of the content that is based solely off of the Missing 411 books rather than people who actually went and did the research, mm. not to throw shade, but to throw a little bit of shade, a lot of them will say that the backpack was found in the ice cave. That is not present in any contemporary news report or in the National Park Service report. And as far as I can tell, it's purely anecdotal. I assume David Politis heard that from someone. Maybe, maybe Eric, or not Eric, uh, maybe Don or Trevor, but I don't know for certain. Uh, I could not find any quotes from Don or Trevor regarding this case. So, yeah. Um, anyway, at this point, they've checked the immediate area. They've sent another team up and down the mountain. While that second team was on the mountain checking for Eric, they sent supplies up to supply the next day's expedition, mm -hmm. wherein about 40 people including uh, mountaineers um, from private companies, as well as the National Park Service. We had Rainier Mountaineering, Alpine Ascents International, and International Mountain Guides all contribute climbers. The National Park's Climbing Rangers did as well, as well as a number of volunteers who were just on the mountain or, uh, you know, familiar with the mountain. Yeah. Above in the sky, a CH-47 Chinook helicopter from nearby Fort Lewis was uh, patrolling the skies, as well as a uh, helicopter from um, Northwest Helicopters. My understanding is that they did have infrared sensors on board at least one of the helicopters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible that they didn't, but from what I understand, they did have IR sensors on one of them. Um, and they focused the initial search, uh, including one team who solely focused on this, Focus that initial search on the area where Eric went missing, so between 13,000 and 14,000 feet. They did not find footprints. They did not find blood. They did not find clothes. They found essentially no trace that Eric had been on the mountain, with the exception of the footprints going up, which just stopped abruptly mm -hmm. at 13,900-ish feet. Yep. That is... Weird. Oh, yeah. Now, I will say this. Weather conditions that day were not great. Mm -hmm. It was visibility of about five feet. Oh. Yeah, they were up in the clouds. Visibility of about five feet. And then, on top of that, winds of 40 to 50 miles per hour. And a slope at one point in the climb, not this point, of 50 degrees. So, not a good day to be climbing a mountain. What was the temperature, generally? I did not check for this, because okay. it's so hard to tell, because they don't have the actual temperature on the mountain recorded. Yeah. No, I mean, it's probably going to be cold enough that the snow is not melting, so, like, yeah. with that... I mean, even in July, it's going to be cold up there. Yeah, well... It's, it's perma-snow up there. Yeah, like, in those conditions especially, tracks are going to get covered pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So, they find nothing in that 13,000 to 14,000 foot stretch, except for the ice cave and the backpack. Yep. The backpack is below where the footprints stop. Next, they start checking elsewhere on the mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, they checked the immediate routes next to it, and one team climbed up the Emmons route, which is on the northeast side. The Gibraltar Ledges route is on the southeast side, but they are connected, uh, and then these people went up the Evans route thinking maybe he somehow got himself over here and went up. No Eric. And then they traced that back down to the Ingram Glacier, which is the descent route from the Gibraltar Ledges. Yep. Nothing. On day three, 
of the search. Rangers skied down the Gibraltar chute, which is part of the Gibraltar Ledges section. Mm -hmm. It is a known ski route. Uh, it goes from about 12,650 feet down to 9,616 feet. Mm -hmm. So it's about, about a 2,000 foot ski route. Uh, Eric was not there. They also checked the Nisqually Glacier, which is to the west of the Gibraltar chute. Mm -hmm. Eric was not there. What they were doing was checking all of the possible fall routes. Mm -hmm. If Eric had slipped down the mountain, lost control, and just fallen in a you know a, a free tumble down the mountain, yep. they checked anywhere he could have possibly gone. Okay. He was not there. Naturally. He was not in any of the crevices. He was not in any of the caves. He was nowhere to be found. Interesting. On day four, so much heavy wind and rain rolled in that they could not continue the search. And at this point, after three days... The likelihood that Eric was alive was very low. Now, you can survive about a week, I think 10 days, without food, typically. Uh, Honestly, even more. Well, it depends on how much you're carrying on you. Yeah, but and also... What, I think on average, it's things, about yeah. a week to two weeks. Yeah. Um, that is in prime conditions. Yeah. What you can't survive more than three days without is water. No. And you might think, oh, well, you're on a mountain. You can just grab a handful of snow and eat that. Not quite how it works. Nope. Because your body temperature will go down from that. Yes. And not be able to recover. So yes. eating snow will cause hypothermia. Yes. At certain elevations and if you cannot get yourself warm. So Eric could not simply just grab a handful of snow and chew on it until it melted it doesn't work like that. Also, your body, the amount of calories your body would have to use warming yourself back up would cut down that timeline of a week without food considerably. Yep. So after three days, there was essentially no shot that Eric was still alive if he was on that mountain. Yeah. So they suspended the search. To this day, Eric's body has never been recovered. They don't know where it is. It will probably never be found. They have checked the glaciers. They have recovered other people from the area, but not Eric. Interesting. A lot of people read about this case and they say, oh, well, Eric's friends killed him and hid the body. Which is just an interesting take to have. Now, I will say this. If they did kill him yeah. um, and hide the body, he did go missing about the same spot where that ice cave is. Right. So perhaps they killed him and shoved his body in there. In that case, why was his backpack 200 feet below? Did they kill Eric and then drag his body 200 feet up a mountain to shove it into a cave? Seems like Did a Did they know that the cave was already there? Because if they killed him at 13,600 feet, without knowing that there was a snow cave 200 feet above, yeah. that seems like a pretty uh, foolish decision for anybody trying to get away with a crime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As well, why kill him that far down the mountain instead of, you know, waiting until the ice cave if they did know it was there? Why would you want to drag him 200 feet up? I mean, with the backpack, you might think, oh, well, they were trying to, you know, put the backpack down earlier to throw people off. Yeah. You could just throw the backpack down the mountain. Yep. Also, there would be drag marks. Mm -hmm. You can carry a grown man. Can you carry a grown man up a 40 degree angle on a mountain in the snow and ice? No. Without leaving any sort of mark that you did that? No, no, you cannot do no. that. So, a number of questions remain here. Assuming no foul play, which is what the police did. Yeah. 
Assuming no foul play, Eric unhooked himself from that rope. Yes. He chose to do that. He made that decision. Why? Was he having a heart attack? Probably would have tugged on the rope to signal that he needed help. Yeah. Did he somehow fall off the mountain? Well, they didn't notice that, so if he lost his grip and was in a position where he couldn't get his grip again, mm. they would have felt that because they were all attached to a rope. Yep. They did not notice that he was unhooked from this rope until the 13,900 foot mark. That is 300 feet above his backpack. That is 100 feet above the ice cave. They would have noticed. There would have, it would have it would have occurred to somebody that Eric was not on that rope. So that means that his disappearance was really sudden. Mm -hmm. He did not cut the rope, as some of these stories suggest. He unhooked from it. He was clipped on with a carabiner. He unclipped from it. Why? I mean, at that point, you can only have speculation of mm -hmm. potential motives that he might have. But, I mean, you know, obviously suicide or something along those lines. But I would imagine, based off of some of the things you said, that he wasn't really... You know. There was no suggestion. There was no reason to believe it was self-harm. Yeah. And like I said earlier, while we were filming, mm -hmm. if the intention was to go up that mountain and not come back down, yeah. why wait until the 13,900 foot mark? Yeah. Why leave his backpack? Yeah. Like, also, if it was, if it was human error, I mean, there are redundancies in climbing gear that should prevent, mm -hmm. especially, I mean, uh, you know, anybody who knows anything about climbing knows that, like, the carabiners that you use specifically for climbing mm -hmm. are more, like, advanced than just a regular yeah, it's carabiner. Yeah, just a simple carabiner. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lock on it, which means, like, generally you have to unscrew it before you're able to actually open it up and take mm -hmm. it off and things like that. So, unlikely in terms of the redundancy of the security of those carabiners, assuming that they were using those right ones. But, again... And this point goes to both that element about the carabiner and just the whole situation in general. They've done a lot of climbing before, right? Mm -hmm. So they're pretty skilled. So you would imagine that skilled and experienced climbers are probably the type of people who would be using the proper equipment mm -hmm. and the type of people who, though they would not be immune to it, would probably be less likely to make some form of human error mm -hmm. mistake in comparison to those not as familiar with exactly. the scenario. So, in order for him to unclip, it must have been deliberate. Yeah. Whether it was him or someone else who did it. Exactly. That implies intelligence. Unless, by some... <laughs> by some miracle, they weren't using climbing carabiners and were just using a standard, like, backpack carabiner. Which, which is possible, but seems super unlikely. There yeah. is, of course... Uh, the other suggestion that he was not clipped to it, but rather tied. I did find some versions of the story that said he mm. untied himself, but the version that was based off of the report from Glenn Kessler, the climbing commander, mm -hmm. um, according to that report, he unclipped. Got so, it. how does that happen? <laughs> Why does that happen? And regardless of how it happened or why it happened, 
Where did he go? Great question. If he took shelter in the cave, why was his backpack 200 feet below it? He left no footprints other than the ones going up mm -hmm. where his companions were. How do you go side to side and not leave footprints? Yep. If you went up or down, there would be a question of, like, were these actually someone else's prints? Or did he follow the footprints of one of his companions? No, there, if he went side to side, there would have been footprints. Um, so, that really leaves two possibilities. Either this was extraordinarily well-executed foul play. And his, his buddies did kill him, and they somehow managed to hide the body and cover up their tracks, cover up the snow, all of that. Mm -hmm. Or something pulled Eric off that mountain. Wind is not high enough. So how did Eric get off the mountain? I do not know. I have no idea. I couldn't find native folklore that suggested anything about this, except for the Thunderbird, which is, you know, a, a widespread tradition. But when it comes to something like that, we would probably know about it. Yeah. We would probably know that exists. The only remaining possibility, then, and uh, I was not able to ascertain whether or not this was the case, is that Eric was never on the mountain. Mm. I assume there is a, a log... Of him having, you need a permit. Mm. So I, you know, I considered calling the National Park Service, but you know, it's the government. Are you ever going to get through them? No. Um, also, if you're asking, um, hey, can I call to ask if a specific person had a permit to climb a mountain in July of 2010? They're going to tell me to go, like, screw off. Yeah, um, they're going to tell you to kick rocks yeah. just purely because they don't feel like having to dig that information up for you. Yeah, you're more likely to get a lie than anything else at that point. Yeah. Um, so the police. I feel like they would have investigated that avenue themselves at the time. Yep. Because if there were any question of whether or not he was on the mountain, that would probably be one of the first things they checked. So, as far as I can tell, Eric was on the mountain that day. He did reach 13,900 or 13,800 feet. If there were footprints mm -hmm. up to that point, I would guess the snow cave. Yeah. I will say this. There are places around the world where there are extensive underground cave systems mm -hmm. and sometimes extensive underground civilized cave systems, mm -hmm. like the ones that we are going to be talking about next week uh, at Derinkuyu in Cappadocia. So is it possible that at some point in history there were people living inside the mountain and that that snow cave at 13,000 feet is where he ended up and that he somehow found his way into some abandoned underground city? Maybe. It's, it's possible. It's certainly possible. That's, th that's like the most likely thing I can think of here, is that he did wander into that snow cave for some reason. Mm. You know, maybe his... Maybe... Maybe he felt he couldn't keep carrying the backpack. Maybe he was hypothermic. Maybe he wasn't thinking straight and ended up crawling into that snow cave to find warmth. Mm. It's always possible that they missed the footprints... Mm. That footprints did actually lead to the cave. But as far as the available information goes on this case, there's really no plausible explanation. Yeah. You know? Uh, David Bucky, uh, the idea that he unhooked to go to the bathroom and thought he could just use the cave is possible. Um, but I feel like, again, he probably would have signaled. 
you know? So yeah. th this I is... Mean, why wouldn't you let the people that you're with know yeah. that you're doing that? This is another one of those ones that if all the information available is correct and nothing's missing, it really does feel like something paranormal. Mm. Like dimensional shift carried off by something. I'm leaning more and more towards the idea of multiple dimensions and the fact that there might be certain places on Earth where the veil is thin. Mm. Because there are so many times that that shows up in mythology and folklore across the world. You gotta wonder to what extent it's in fact true. Yep. I don't know, but the the, the multidimensional theory at this point is is becoming more and more something I believe in. I like the idea that there is a uh, a consistency in the relevance of robo grannies <laughs> on you know multiple different mountains within the Pacific Northwest. I think that could be a fun a fun through line. Yeah, and yeah, to uh, Su Long to, to answer your question, as far as I understand, the police did check and make sure he was still on the mountain, mm -hmm. or at least the National Park Service did. Which, as we discovered, the National Park Service is apparently considered law enforcement. Oh yeah. Speaking of that, you know how they have, like, undercover police cars that still have the word police on them, but it's written in, like... Dark gray against it, black. Like, yeah, it'll yeah. have, like, a white police car that has police on it, but, like, the car is gloss and the writing is matte. Yes. I saw that on a National Park Ranger car in Valley Forge the other day. Really? What is the point of that? Can they even write tickets? Like, speeding tickets? They can in the park. Okay. Which is really funny, because think about Valley Forge... Like you the park can't speed. You first of all, you can't speed because the entire thing is one really windy road. Yeah, and there's really only like a couple miles of road uh -huh. through the park. Yeah, so you've got like five to ten rangers, I assume, who are just patrolling three miles of road, mm -hmm. which is just a funny thought to me. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that, like I said, if, if Eric, if Eric was on the mountain, there's really no explanation for this. If Eric wasn't on the mountain, how the hell did the National Park Service miss that? In either case, something weird. Yes. Uh, but with that said, it is time. Oh, it's time. For questions and super chats. Aiden, what are the super chat goals from the top? Let me pull them up. And uh, send in your Super Chats now if you have questions. If we don't receive any Super Chats, we will try to answer uh, non-Super Chat questions. But the Super Chats allow us to keep the show going. Because uh, otherwise, yes. I would have to get a 9 to 5 again. And uh, I don't think I could bring myself to do this and a 9 to 5 again. That was, uh, I, as, as you are well aware, I was on edge all the time. The two things were not compatible, yeah. to say the least. Uh, yeah, sorry, I had to... Uh... I had to open up a different tab of Google Docs because mm -hmm. the main one that I had open was the Corsair versus Mustang. Ah, uh, yes. Aiden and I will be having a debate on the Corsair versus the Mustang as the ultimate fighter plane of World War II. Yes. Uh, he has done far more research than me. I will lose this debate <laughs> simply on the grounds of knowledge alone. I could be, com I'm pro Mustang. I could be completely correct. I think I am. I'm very pro Corsair. I've bought two books for it. I've done a lot of research within just the. I played Blazing Angels when I was twelve. Yeah, uh, I've uh, I've <laughs> been reading the two books. One is about the Mustang and how great it is. One of it is about the Corsair and its history. I'm very pro Corsair. Excuse me for a number of reasons, um, which we will get into during the debate. Um, I 
I think it'll be interesting. I, I think the plan that we're going to do is that we're going to do a Google form for the audience to fill out to decide who won. Um, I have no idea who's going to win. You know, I, I, I think it, it could totally be up in the air. I, I believe that the Corsair was better than the Mustang overall. I think the Mustang definitely has some, some pros over the Corsair, but obviously the Corsair has some pros over the Mustang. We will get into that in, in, you know, in more detail uh, at that time, but I'm just excited, and I hope y'all are as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, the donation goals going in ascending order, starting at 250, is... The Skunk Ape song plus Conspiracy Theory song. I will record them and they will go on Spotify. Yes. Uh, we're already at that. so I will be recording them and they will be going on Spotify. Well I think done. we have to find a place to record them, which yes. will probably be here. Yep. Probably. Actually, it'll probably be the new place. Well, I don't forget about that. Uh, and then 500 is submit articles and grade them on stream. Ah, so, uh, yes. You guys will submit essays, and I will grade them live. Yes. We will probably do a short list of essays. I will probably do it drunk. Depending on how many essays are given, uh, and then we will have you guys vote on what essays you want to be read and graded. Uh, that will be on Twitch. I'm saying that preemptively because I know who you guys are, and I can only imagine what is going to be in these essays, and they're probably not going to be suitable for YouTube. So It will be on Twitch. <laughs> it will very much be on Twitch. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. And I'll pick a winner, and we'll send uh, we'll send them a a goodie bag of some yes. sort. Yes, yes, absolutely, we should. Um, and we are so in terms of like winning, uh, what kind of rubric do you want to create for those essays? Um, I'm going Cards Against Humanity rules here. Yeah, yeah, just like the ones that make you laugh the most. Yeah, but well, but, not necessarily that, but like. You know how Cards Against Humanity I mean, is, yeah. where you've got to play the judge. Yes. You guys have been watching me for long enough. I'm sure you can figure out what's going to make me go. But I, yeah, uh, if you build it the same way as that uh, Mario essay, and you succeed, you will win. Or if you write it the same way as that VeggieTales article we read you, last week. You you may succeed. Perchance. Perchance. Uh, <laughs> period. I, yeah. <laughs> I think the best way for you guys to succeed, and considering I'm not judging, this is just my... Uh, you know, unqualified and unasked. Unqualified, you say? If only one had an apparel company known as Unqualified Apparel. What a shame. I should be wearing some... What if you went to unqualifiedapparel.com? What do you think you would find? I think I would find some apparel that I would be unqualified for. Exactly. Nonetheless, I think the best way to Aiden's heart with this essay in particular would be well-crafted in terms of diction and research. Whatever the research may be. You can make the entire thing up, and if your grammar is good, I probably will give you a good grade. Yes. Uh, but doing it in a way in which those two elements are used like, like, con conjunctually ironic. Conjunctually? Something like I don't that. Think it, that's it, a word. I was trying, there's a word that I'm thinking of, but I can't remember right now, and that was the thing that just appeared in my mouth. Anyway. Um, Conducive? No. Uh, in conjunction? I think it was in conjunction mixed with some other word that just kind of in conjunctionally, whatever. Anyway, uh, if you do that in relation to making it funny and just have them play off of each other, I guarantee that'll probably, like, work. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, so the 500, do we want to schedule that stream? Uh, the, yeah. Um, let me figure out once I'm into the new place. Uh, yeah, but that, that it will be in November. Cool. Um, probably late November because I have... I am doing something with someone... In mid-November. Yes. So, I... Uh, and I'm going to try and join the something. He's going to try someone. and join the something. Um, 
Yeah, we don't like that down. Uh, when when we know what the whole plan is with the essays, I will post on YouTube and Discord yes. uh, about all of that. Um, and then whoever whoever wins will will find something fun to send. Maybe a signed canvas print. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe like that plus maybe like one or two other things just to make it like a yeah. nice little goodie basket. Um, um, I still have to send my mods. Uh, we'll have to send the mods their goodie bags. Um, mm. I keep forgetting to actually run that through now that we have the company card. Yeah. Um, uh, for seven fifty, we have the VeggieTales Revelations skit. Yes, we will write a VeggieTales skit about the Book of Revelation. Um, I think I think Wendigoon said he might want a voice act for that. Love it. I uh, love to hear it. So we would <laughs> love to hear it. You basically get to hear me and Wendigoon as uh, Bob and Larry. Um, so <laughs> that's <laughs> I'll play something. I'll, yeah, we'll have yeah. you do something as well. Um, and for a thousand. For a thousand, oh, this is an exciting one. Do you remember what it is? No. Mm. For a thousand dollars, if you reach it this month, you get the Lore Launch 80s aerobics video. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. You will wear unitards and leg warmers, and you will get one hell of a video, let me tell you. Oh, it's going to be VHS quality to the nines. This is going to be fantastic. Maybe we could use one of the Panasonic. That'd be funny. Yeah, I got. I picked up a couple of old, like, early 2000s, late 90s Panasonic uh camcorders mm. that record on tape yeah so we'll probably use those for that that would be really entertaining and then i'm oh. not sure how we would translate that to digital i'm sure there's like a it thing would, i can get it would be expensive would it be yes you think yes how expensive probably like a few hundred dollars minimum i am sure we could find an old tape to digital I'm thinking that incongruence with... That was the word, congruence. Um, with the actual tapes themselves. The tapes are not going to be cheap. You think? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just my instinct, based off of how film is at this point. 15 bucks. That's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Nine for the... Or ten for the 60-minute. Hmm. Cool. Even better. Uh, and then for 1420. Uh, oh God, the 1421 I do remember. Would you like to say it? Uh, for $1,420, I will do a Twitch stream where I dress as a cat maid. So if you want cat maid Aiden, that's how you get cat maid Aiden. 1420, baby. It's okay. They're $1,100 away from it. I'm not too concerned. Yeah. Um, they won't get fine. there. Considering it took us over a as year... As long as nobody tells Isaiah. Yeah, valid. Considering it took you guys over a year to get the calendar, I think we're in the yeah. So. Um, Alright, so... I do some of these yeah. questions. Yeah, I'm trying to find... Uh, I'm going to pull it up. Uh, Using it's raining, man. That's great. It's raining. Hallelujah, it's raining, man. Watch us get copyright struck for that. If Don't it's more it. than 30 seconds, apparently they're just like, no, you're not allowed to do that. Fuck oh, yeah, that's... that's that, well, that is legal. That's fair use. It's 30 seconds? Yeah. Damn. I didn't know it was that uh, that tight. Yeah, no, you can only use uh, any form of media you do not own for a maximum of 30 seconds in one continuous... That's all I ever need. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> Just another dude for five dollars said, "Which team would win, the Seattle Skinwalkers or the Wisconsin Wendigoons?" Yeah, uh, Wisconsin Wendigoons. I think the Wisconsin Wendigoons. Yeah, An yeah. entire team of Isaiah. Yeah, 
<laughs> also, just like Wisconsin versus Seattle alone. All he's got to do is coat himself in white ash and they can't touch him. Fair. Yeah. Um, uh, Rock and Ruin says it's Nigel Strawberry. <laughs> Smashing! Good God. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Kellen, the official data, says, I thought Mattis was playing a show tonight. Yes, in two hours. Yep. I uh, have to be on stage at a local bar. If you are in the Phoenixville, Pennsylvania area, or anywhere remotely near it, I am playing a show at Molly Maguire's tonight. Um, come out and say hi. Say how do uh, you do? I can listen to some music. Uh, His music is good. None of it's my music. It's all covered. His songs. singing of the <laughs> songs that are not his is good. Um, all right. Uh, Heavy Burn Man says, Dude was on a mission for that Mount Tussy. Sometimes, sometimes is, I get so. Is that how we're referring to the snow cave now? Is the Mount Tussy? <laughs> sometimes I like, I really just get so into certain elements of the show where I just kind of forget that, like, that's that's a thing. That's yeah. a thing. Like, and it's it's a nice, it's a heartwarming thing to, to uh, be reminded by, I guess. <laughs> the man, the legend, but apparently not the myth, says, I appreciate these streams, really interesting. I hope you guys are successful. Sometimes these help me sleep, too. Well, thank you. I'm not sure how these help you sleep. Uh, but I, I thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take it as a compliment that we have very soothing voices. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. It's probably our sultry tones. Yes. Yeah. It's because we have deeper voices. We do. Could you imagine if we were like the BuzzFeed guys who talk up here because they have testosterone scores of seven? Um, sorry, not the BuzzFeed guys, the Try guys. Uh, I think that what <laughs> happened at this mountain was that they got lost. I okay, can't SpongeBob. Tell. I was going to say, ah! <laughs> that's terrifying. Please don't do that. Every Can did you know that's how he does the laugh? Is it actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense now. That yeah, when he has to do the laugh, it's like that. Yeah, he has to do that. All right. Yep. Oh wait, he's not alive anymore, is he? Oh, did he die? I think so. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace, SpongeBob, right, man. Or wait, uh, no, the creator. Uh, I don't know if the voice actor died, but I think the creator did. If only Dan Schneider died. <laughs> Wait, this dude was way too into underage feet. Which any amount of being into underage feet is too much. Any being amount of, any but amount putting of... it on TV is like going a step further, you know. Um, all right, uh, Bacon Snake sixty four, hell of a name. That's incredible. How would a fleshy boy do against fifty caliber anti personnel? Um, <laughs> Depends. Does, it come Does that also mean incendiary with the eye there? I don't know. Is it coming um, from a Barrett or is it coming from a full auto? Like honestly, in either case, you're probably taking off a good chunk of body weight, so it's gonna buy you time at the very least. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't kill it because there's uh, there's stories of Wendigos where um, they like chop off its legs and leave it to die in the woods, and they come back and it's like sucking on its own bone marrow. Um, oh, yeah. So, nice. would kill it, but would definitely, uh, but I mean, slow hey, it down if you aerate it enough to the point where all of the limbs and pieces have become scattered. Yeah, I think a, a lot of these legends uh, and the the methods for killing things mm -hmm. do come from a time before automatic weaponry and artillery. Yes, uh, I think if you blow something up to the point where it's not like if you obliterate its corporeal form, it's yeah. probably going to be gone. Yeah. Um, with a Wendigo, it might actually just release a demonic entity into the wild, but, uh, you know, we'll... W-N-O-W-Dawn. We'll... -no yeah. Um, uh, Natalie for $5 says, saving my spots for an essay submission. You're, you're a mod that you'll, you'll, you'll get one saying, in. Yeah. Spoon says, 20 armadillos will be released in your apartment in 12 hours. Well, good thing I've got... That's 20 new friends. 
Good thing my mags carry 30 rounds. Um, <laughs> no! Armadillos are sweet and cute and rolling. Armadillos keep digging. <laughs> Little holes in my backyard. <laughs> uh, Blue Jupiter Jazz says, Props to surviving the PKA episode. I don't know why they kept trying to project ideas and positions into you that you don't even have. I, I don't know. Should we, get, um, should we get a recap live of, of that? No, I mean, it was... It was, uh, it was a time. <laughs> I don't... I don't... I think I was prepared to be going into that. Uh, yeah. I I was not sure. I should have watched more of their content before I went into it, so I had a better idea. Um, I think I went in a little bit too uh, soft. Fair. <laughs> and I, I should have been, uh, you know, a little bit more prepped for being bullied. Uh, I'm used to being bullied. It happened to me a lot in uh, elementary and middle school. So I just saw two, <laughs> two comments right after, one after another. First one is from uh, Willow Stewart that says, Armadillos carry, carry leprosy, Thornberry. Immediately followed by Langwell Miscellaneous that says, Don't armadillos carry leprosy? <laughs> and it's just like, number one, great minds think alike. Number two, this is news to me. What? The little cute little roly-poly dudes are little armadillos balls. Armadillos keep big. causing little holes in my forearm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I had I had fun man. with the PKA episode. I would definitely come back if they invited me, um, and I would come back with uh, with a fact sheet on me. Smart, yeah. Because you know I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but I might I may throw that on while I, I'm packing. I make an attempt not to talk unless I know what I'm talking about, mm. um, and I definitely a wise choice. I definitely was in a position where I was like, mm. I probably could have could have won some arguments if I had had a fact sheet in front of me. Yeah, um, but you know. Happens. Is what it is. Uh, Joseph says, it was my idea for the 1420, and you can absolutely count on me letting Wendy Dad know about it. Oh, good God. There's going to reach a point where when, uh, or Isaiah is just going to stop giving us money. Cause, yeah. Like, he gives us a lot of money. He does give us a lot of money. We're very grateful for it, but like... <laughs> He's just going to buy the show at some point. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> Add it to his his uh, Wendigoon empire. Next next uh, weird Bible, he's like, yeah, I'm going to acquire you guys. Is that cool? I'd be like, sure. I'd take a salary. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd take a salary for what we do. Uh, Warlock Lightning says, after blasting myself with 15... Uh... 0.15 oh, grams, so DMT. 150 milligrams of DMT, and hearing more accurate descriptions of certain biblical things like angels, I'm convinced the burning bush was acacia. That is a broadly held theory, yes. Yeah. Um, my, my theory with it is that prophets, uh, if DMT does what it is said to do, that prophets uh, were born with a higher amount of uh, endogenous DMT, mm. and that's why they, are, they were able to communicate with the divine and maybe around the period of like the flood. Mm-hmm. Was when that changed, yeah. And we went from having lots of endogenous DMT to very little DMT. So that's my theory on it. It's half cocked. I know nothing about what I'm talking about. Is um, there any? What are the limitations within the text of using substances, especially for the Bible? Basically, says not to pointlessly intoxicate yourself. Okay. I uh, some people like Mormons take that to the extreme of no caffeine. Uh, some people like uh, Muslims take it to the extent of no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians are basically like, don't get unnecessarily drunk. Um, yeah. it, it's 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 hard to say. You're going to get a different interpretation from anyone you ask. But basically, what what the idea is is you know, don't 
you're not supposed to put yourself in a position where you are uh, unnecessarily inebriated. In terms of using, like, psychedelic substances, obviously, at the time, that wasn't really, like, a common thing, I would imagine. I, I think it's kind of the same idea. Like, if you're using it because you're trying to get some introspection. Yeah. Go like, you know, treating depression with psilocybin or ketamine or something like yeah. that. Under a guided trip with a, a psychiatrist. I was going to say, treating depression with ketamine is definitely something people do, but not necessarily intentionally, intentionally for yeah, depression. Yeah, people, people actually do. The Ketamine is undergoing analysis as a long-term treatment for depression. Yeah. We're doing like one or two a year Yeah. Uh, to with, with the help of a psychiatrist. So that's, you know, that. An intense horse tranquilizer. Yeah. So uh, I I think something like that would, I, I couldn't imagine that, you know, the, the biblical God would be upset with you. Yeah. But if you're getting drunk six nights a week because you just don't want to be sober, that would be frowned upon. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus drank wine. Um, yeah. There's, uh, back in, in Roman times, they'd have symposiums where they got together and, Everybody would, you know, drink wine, and wine back then was way stronger than oh, it is today. Yeah, no, my, my main question was in relation to if, if people, like, had an interest in taking DMT or something like that, specifically for a religious yeah, experience. Yeah, I, I think that if you did it for a very deliberate reason, and you thought it out, it would probably not go against you. Yeah. Um, but again, like, it, even if it did, like, if that's the kind of thing where you're like, you're doing it because you think it's okay, mm -hmm. I... That's not the kind of thing you're going to get judged super hard for. Fair. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not do DMT. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think I think it very much would depend on intention. We got to remember that if you know, and again, for everybody watching, you don't have to agree with me on any of this. This is my my beliefs as a, a Christian. Yeah. Um, but you know, if people ask me the question, I'm happy to answer it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I approach most religious stuff. Fair. But yeah, the way I see it, if you're if you're using something for a purpose mm -hmm. other than just avoiding consciousness mm -hmm. i think that you're probably going to be all right yeah, that makes um, sense. but again i am not i am not god so this is just my you're uh, not? somebody on tiktok thinks he is um really? which is hilarious uh that's so funny to me that's pretty tough he's like i need to address this i am not a trinity and we're like you sure aren't buddy <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right uh, History Daddy for two pounds uh, says, is it possible D.B. Cooper would have escaped to Texas? Isn't he the guy that jumped out of a moving airplane without a parachute? I'm not familiar enough. I do like all of the conversation about armadillo's leprosy in here, but now I need to remind, remind myself what a pangolin looks like. D.B. Cooper is a media epithet for an unidentified man who hijacked Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305, a Boeing 727 operated by Northwest Orient Airlines in United States, Air United States airspace on November 24th, 1971, during the flight from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. That is a short flight. The hijacker told a flight attendant he was armed with a bomb, demanded $200,000 in ransom, uh, equivalent to $1,338,000. And requested, oh, in 2021, so equivalent to $2 billion in 2022. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Biden. Um, and Trump, you sons of bitches. Uh, you should not have printed, like, 80% of the U.S. money supply in 2021. Um, I hate the government. Uh, <laughs> and requested four parachutes upon landing in Seattle. 
After releasing the passengers in Seattle, the hijacker instructed the flight crew to refuel the aircraft and begin a second flight to Mexico City with a refueling stop in Reno, Nevada. Approximately 30 minutes after taking off from Seattle, the hijacker opened the aircraft's aft door, deployed the staircase, and parachuted into the night over southwestern Washington. Uh, Ryan, I'm not sure what you... I'm not sure that uh, your understanding of United States geography is all that solid. <laughs> um, to be fair, it's a lot bigger. Than this. Yeah, 30, 30 minutes out of Washington is not Texas by plane. It's uh, Nevada, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I only I only mock you because I love you. Um, That's the way it goes. If you're not making yeah. fun of your friends, they're not real friends. So, I, I mean... It's possible that he did, in fact survive i didn't even know you could open aircraft doors in flight uh, i thought it would like depressurize the cabin and cause serious problems it does so i'm just surprised the flight like survived so th that's that um what else we got I know there's another. Oh boy, the guy for the hundred dollars. I am sorry, but I don't have the floof. He's with his grandparents, but uh, I will bring him for the next episode. He will be here. Yes. Um, can you redo a scene from Supernatural, the one where Dean is running from a supposed beast, where it turned out to be a tiny dog? Absolutely. Why not? We have the clothes. We yeah. have the dog. We have the car. We have the car. Yeah, we can do that. We will do that. Um, I will do it for you. Mr. The Guy. Uh, We're going to do it for the guy. Exactly. It's the guy. Are you also the guy from Spy Kids 3? He's the guy. Uh, yeah, that sounds fun. We could just do, like, supernatural sketches. I guess I'm technically Sam at this point. <laughs> technically Sam. Um, one of the parachutes was a training chute, and he didn't notice. Interesting. What, what, what is a training chute? What? Um, a training shoot. He made the aircraft fly lower so it wasn't pressurized. Got it. Uh-huh. Smart man. What the smart cookie. Uh, they're talking about pangolins. Um, yeah, LSD can cause permanent damage. I don't recommend doing... Can you scroll uh, up there? Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Uh, I would not do LSD. Uh, I would not recommend uh, that. Why is this ding? I have it set to not ding. <laughs> Uh, also, quick quick poll uh, for the next Thornberry Thursday video because I have I have a long form one planned that I'm I'm in the process of like collecting videos and things for. I don't think it's going to be ready by the beginning of November. Would we be against me taking some of the information I've learned about the Corsair and the Mustang? I think that makes sense. Yeah, and and do uh, a Mustang versus Corsair like Thornberry Thursday video. I promise not all Thornberry Thursdays are going to be just like World War II aviation. <laughs> I, I do promise. But I just there will also be some Korean aviation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, just considering that that's fresh in mind and I'm really excited about this, uh, it'd be a good topic for me I mean, to do. Personally, so. I think you would do very well doing like, you know, breakdowns of war movies. I could. Yeah. If you, if you want to try that. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh... Y'all could make bank off the Supernatural fandom. Are we not already? 
Oh, we're that's not right. We're not bank. making bank. That's the problem. Um, yes, Charles Manson could tell you about LSD if he was alive. Um, I would say rest in peace, but no. Um, rest <laughs> in hell. Yeah. God, I hope so. No rest for the wicked. I mean, okay. blasphemy, according to the Catholics, is an unforgivable sin, and he most certainly did blaspheme. So, perhaps. Oh. Perchance. Perchance. <laughs> also, yeah, I could totally do some, uh... That's what we should name the band. What's that? Perchance. perchance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, I could totally do some stuff about, uh, nuclear. I probably wouldn't do, like, a big, full series on it. I'd do, like, one or two highlights. Kyle Hill does some... He's got his, um... He does. He does do good stuff. Yeah, he does great stuff. He's got a whole series on radiation and, and uh, nuclear and things like that. I can't remember the name of it off of... Uh, oh, Half-Life series. I think it's called a Half-Life series. Um, Bunbury Thursday on the Battle of Trafalgar. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, Ryan, I would do that. For sure. I might have to, like, ask you for some they help They want the on... Thorn Bussy train stream. Oh? Oh? Mm-hmm. Oh, don't don't get me excited, y'all. I I will do trains. I I will do videos on trains. Do you feel regret yet? I do. Here's the problem: if you bring up an idea that is relevant to a large machine or mode of transportation in particular, and you're like, "Hey, do this," I will say yes because I love big machines that go. Are you like, you know? No, not <laughs> People who like trains are gay? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> no. I'm sure gay people like trains. I'm sure straight people like exactly. trains. Exactly. It just seems like something that's not associated with sexuality. No, no, no. It, it, it has nothing to do with it. Just the fact that that setup was very much, is he, you know, just like kind <laughs> of... more on the spectrum. Yeah. No, no, I know. It's just the setup was very much along the lines of that's the payoff for that usually. Yeah. But yes. I think no, we're all on the spectrum a little bit I, these days. I, I genuinely am not sure whether I am or not. A couple of my friends in college used to make fun of me for saying I was on the spectrum. I wasn't making fun of you for it. No, I know. I'm I, saying I, I, in terms I, I of I would like, love you all the same. I know. I'm I, probably also. I'm saying on the term I, of like, I, Did I tell you about the time that my uh, my first grade teacher told my parents there was a fine line between gifted and criminal? And criminal? And criminal. I was seven. Criminal in what way? Uh, whatever way a seven-year-old can be. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, my second grade teacher thought I had, like, off-the-rails ADHD, mm -hmm. and uh, she made my mom take me to the school, like, psychologist, mm -hmm. and she was like, nah, he's just bored. <laughs> <laughs> you might not know this, but little boys typically don't like sitting still. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how the, the medical community was like, hmm, these little boys are not acting like the little girls. Let's put them on drugs. <laughs> I don't have ADD. I have energy. <laughs> or at least when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure I have ADD now. Uh, my uh, psychiatrist does not agree with me. Fair. I pointed out to him that it took me three months to sit down and focus on the survey that I was supposed no, to do. Wait, the survey to figure out whether or not yeah. you had ADHD. Yeah, uh, and he was uh, like, oh, I, don't, I don't think you need to be treated for it. And I was like, mm, okay. Nice. Yeah, I will definitely do videos both on trains and the history of railroads. There's one particular story about where we live in particular and the relevance to the Pennsylvania Railroad, which was the largest and like most influential railroad of all time. Um, it was like 
I mean, they literally developed an entire town just for the railroad. Like, Altoona, Pennsylvania didn't exist until the railroad was like, we need a place to, like, have a place to build these and design these. Like, okay. So what you're telling me is that the Pennsylvania Railroad is responsible for the existence of Altoona. 100%. I am never using a train again. <laughs> Altoona was built literally as a town purely centered around the research and development wing of the Pennsylvania Railroad. And Doug Ireland, you're correct. I've been snowboarding once in my life. I, I don't know anything about it. All I know is I experience pain. Oh, I would do... I would do a Zeppelin. Uh, that sounds cool. I think Zeppelins are underrated. Especially when they're lead. Uh, it's definitely... What was the goal for 500? Uh, asking. Hold up. Submit articles and grade them on stream. Yes, I will grade your, uh, your essays. You may write them on whatever you want. Yeah. And I will give feedback that is equally as unhinged as the essay. Yes. That's the whole point. If you've never read my writing, I can get unhinged. Yes. Get unhinged on hinge? I don't do well on hinge. No? Surprisingly. I would think of all the dating apps I would do best on hinge. I don't. I, I don't do well on the other two either, though. I simply don't do well with dating. Like, I'm, I'm really good at the boyfriend part. Yeah. I am not good at getting there. It's just getting to the point where it's like... <laughs> I'm also not great at the ex-boyfriend part. I tend to stay attached for too long. At least you're aware of that. <laughs> That's what matters. Is I just I do love the point where it's like you essentially have to go into it and be like, just trust me here. <laughs> like, once the label's there... You're going to get it. Everything's going to fall into place. <laughs> but this next, like, four to 12 weeks, just just, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Well, yeah, I do find that annoying. I do keep forgetting to check the Pine Barrens post. I am so sorry. I will do that during the stream tomorrow, and you can hold me to it. Um, I would totally do but... a history video on the Foo Fighters. Uh, I would happily do it with you, Ryan, if you'd like. I will most likely cry during it, because it just, just, just keeps getting sadder. Um, and good point about the Spotify. We should get to that. Um, yeah. We should also move it over to Podbean because uh, Anchor won't monetize us. Uh, why? Why? Spotify, I hate you. My great-grandfather's a conductor and my family live there. I will look into Monadiana. I'm not that familiar. My my two primary, uh, at least historical railroads that I've looked into a lot are Pennsylvania Railroad because it was local and I, Union I, Pacific. Just Ryan, I thought we had already established that I'm American you. Your approach to love life reminds me of mine. Maybe I should take the, the history daddy strategy and explore men as well. You'd probably have a lot more success. Uh, based on how many DMs I get? Yeah. Although maybe it's just that men are more likely to DM than women are. Uh, yeah, it might be. I don't know. I think I could be pretty good at being, being gay if I was gay. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> You're not. It would, life would be so much simpler if you were, in fact, attracted to me. Listen, I lived with gay guys in college, and we all kind of agreed. Like, we were like, yeah, it seems like there's no good option. There's <laughs> just different types of difficult. Like, yeah. Oh, no, relationships are hard no matter what. Oh, my God, my one gay, my one roommate, uh, one year was, I, I'm not going to I don't know if he's out to his family and if they ever came across this. One of my gay roommates, because there were multiple, yeah. um, <laughs> came home from a date one night. 
and he was like, oh, man, dating sucks. I wish I was straight. And I was like, not easier <laughs> no. on this end, my guy. No. Not easier on this end. It is not. <laughs> and then we both just got drunk and uh, talked about existence. But I missed college. That's college was nice. Like, that's how to do it, man. Uh, uh, but all right, okay. You Tiger King awaits Tiger Prince. Oh, yes. good God. Yes. Uh, we are pronouncing it Shasta. I forget Mattis Arc. That's Wait, incredible. no. It, uh, Fifteen raccoons in a trench coat. I've been saying Shasta. Everyone keeps telling me I'm saying Shasta wrong, and they're like, it's A-H. And I'm like, that's what, not A-W, not A. I'm saying A-H. Shasta. Yeah, he's never, he hasn't been saying Shasta. 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 We went up to Mount Shasta the other day. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, why did that get Australian at the end? Because Australian's just my default. It's the, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's what I started with at Hey, H5. you know, we're gonna start in Brooklyn, and by the end of the day, we're gonna end up in the Outback. <laughs> You know, we're going up to Brooklyn, we're going up to New York, and then eventually we're going to end up back in the, uh, down in the Queensland area. I have no idea what Datura is. Neither do I. What is that? Uh, what is the proper, what are the proper steps to discern a legality of owning something of the Freemasons while not being part of the Freemasons? Uh, there, there's, there's no... Did you steal it? Yeah, that's literally it. Did you steal it? <laughs> if you stole it, then it's illegal. If you came across it honestly by buying it in a pawn shop or an antique shop... That's perfectly okay. I Your do, local lodge might want it, and they might even pay you for it, so I would suggest looking into it. But I do love that Lanigo Miscellaneous said Aiden becoming a bi-disaster would be an interesting outcome, and specifically because you immediately assumed that him being bi would be a disaster. I did have frosted tips for a while, so everyone assumed I was bi, and I was a disaster. <laughs> we need to find you a nice bear. What? Yeah. Like a grizzly? No. <laughs> This is but your... I'm not gay. I know, but like... You don't have to be in a romantic relationship. Why do I have to... What? Why can't I be the bear? Because you need a hug. That's true. <laughs> it's valid. Yes. It's a fair point. Yes. And it's like, you, you have the potential to be a bear. You have been in the past. Is this a conversation that's going to get me cancelled? Is this going to be your fault and his fault that I get canceled? Why would this get you canceled? I don't know. Everything gets you canceled these days. Yeah, that's fair. Dude, I get canceled like once a week for being too right-wing, and then I also get canceled for being too left-wing. That's because no one understands what your politics <laughs> are, because people don't understand anything that's not on a binary spectrum at this point. Oh, you like guns? You must be a fascist. What do you mean you're okay with gay marriage, you liberal? Like, <laughs> this is me every time I, get, I talk about politics with anybody. They're like... yeah. Like a lot of people share the meme that's like, I want my gay neighbor, my gay married neighbors, to be able to defend their marijuana plants with AR-15s. Yeah, but like, yes, <laughs> legit. <laughs> but the even more accurate standard for you is, uh, what do you mean you want to go back on the gold standard and you support the gays? <laughs> Dude, everything went downhill after 1971. You should go back. Just, I got yelled at on PKA for being like, yeah, the U.S. dollar is kind of backed by the uh, by petroleum right now because our military ensures that we have a monopoly on the oil industry because you can only buy oil in the U.S. dollar, which means that everybody has to buy dollars mm -hmm. to buy oil, mm -hmm. which is the only thing keeping our currency afloat right now because it's not actually backed by anything. Yep. And they were like, that's not true. And I'm like, it is objectively, literally the truth. Yep. Like, <laughs> Ryan, I think I'm taller than you, right? <laughs> the duality of Mattis. That's great.
Oh, boy. Yeah, but I had fun on that podcast, though. PKA, it was a good time. Um, they made me defend Alex Jones. Stop making me defend Alex Jones, people. Like, oh, uh, that'll get you canceled. That will get me canceled. Yeah. I wasn't even defending what he did. I was just like, I don't know. That seems like a lot of money. <laughs> like, like Pfizer got people killed and they only find them $2 billion. Yeah. $1 billion for saying shitty things online seems like a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, though. Maybe, maybe not. Inflation being what it is. Maybe they're just assuming it's going to keep going. Right. Um, I don't know. I wish people just wouldn't be dicks on the internet. Um, History Daddy said he's 5'9". Oh, wow. You re- We really are just American and British each other. <laughs> Love that. Uh, bro, this is cringe. What did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah again? Uh, glassed it. <laughs> um, oh. fair point. <laughs> I'm not God, though. No. So, and I'm not Jesus, despite my family continuously making that joke every time they see me. Now, you you kind of have taken on the appearance of European Jesus. <laughs> I love that you said specifically European Jesus. Well, actual Jesus was a Jewish man. Yes. Probably had nice bronze skin. Yes. And black hair. Yes. I look like what the Irish want Jew- or, uh, Jesus to look like. Lord Lodge Bachelor. Oh my god. You guys. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> what, and I'm the Bachelor? Yes. <laughs> yes. Not that desperate yet. No, 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 it's not about desperateness. It would just be the the raw, unadulterated chaos. That's fair. It would that be that would be would be so entertaining. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we're gonna cover tonight. Uh, I have to get ready for this show in an hour and a half, which means I actually have to help them set up. So yeah. I have to leave. But <laughs> all right, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is correct. Yep. That's not wrong. <laughs> Jesus probably was pretty jacked. Uh, he was a carpenter. I would love At the to very see... least, he was toned. How often was Jesus actually, like, working? Up until, like, his mid-twenties? Quite a lot. Yeah? Yeah. And then he was just kind of, like, doing um, his thing. Determine uh... Jesus, yeah. Ooh, dangerous. How old was Jesus when he... Started his ministry. <laughs> oh yeah, he was about thirty when he started his ministry. It's funny because I am Irish and German, with a tad English, as you might be able to guess based off my last name. Uh, Gospel Luke records Jesus' approximate age. Jesus, oh. when he began his ministry, was about thirty years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. You know what we could do? We could have a donation goal. For a Lore Lodge Bachelor Twitch stream, where we have contestants on Discord, and they're brought in one at a time, and they're asked questions, and then we have to narrow them down until we get to one last person, and then, uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. That'd be funny. Okay. Uh, Carpenter, the term Carpenter is used because he would have worked with general materials like clay, stone, wood, brick. Um, It doesn't mean Carpenter in the same as the modern sense, but you can't really call him a general contractor either because... But yeah, he would have have been 
probably skilled at both stone and wood. He was a foreman. <laughs> but, alright. Thank you all for watching. I have got to go sing pop-punk songs for four hours I have to into the pack. wee hours of the morning, and he has to pack for Florida. So, I mean, at least you get to wear less clothes. What is this, calendar shoot time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I want it to be colder. All uh, right. And then uh, in two weeks, we have our our Halloween adventure. So Wow, it's only two weeks yeah. away. All right. That's Thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Aiden Mattis. This is Thorn Bussy. This has been the Lore Lodge, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Well, except me. I'll see you guys tomorrow for 24 hours straight. I'm going to try and pop in, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. See you guys.